Hello, welcome to Cats Got Your Tongue. This is your feline-friendly podcast in association with the charity Cats Protection. I'm your host, Adam Brown, and I am an absolute cat obsessive. Probably that's the best way to describe me. I think that's probably the best way that people do describe me quite often. Now, every episode of this podcast, we chat to celebrity guests and we hear their funny feline stories. We find out a little bit about their journey with cat ownership and we also hear from you as well. Um, with your cat's tales. Now, this can be anything from the world of cats. It can be stories, it can be questions that you might have to ask us about your cat, or just generally anything that's always kind of, I don't know, crossed your mind when it comes to the world of felines. And we're going to tackle your cat dilemmas a little bit later on today. Now, as always, we're joined by Nikki from Cats Protection, who is a cat expert. And that's why I'm going to introduce you. Well, you're, you're a cat behaviourist expert, aren't you, Nikki, really? Thank you. Yeah, I'm a good cat behaviourist. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I want to say expert as well because the, uh, every episode you provide some insight that um, each episode I'll just go, oh, no way. Wow, that's amazing. And then I'll, do you know what I do do, actually, Nikki. I do pass off some of the knowledge you've given me as my own then to my like, fellow <laughs> cat owners. I bet you didn't know this. Uh, yeah, and they'll go, wow, Adam, you're so insightful. I'm like, yeah, just doing a bit of research but I do pass off your knowledge of my own sometimes so apologies. and it is your own because now you've got that knowledge yeah so I think that's really fun also doesn't it such a great feeling to be fair I do the exact same thing of like something I've literally just learned five minutes ago I'll be like oh so did you know xyz yeah, oh, yeah but I say it with such confidence <laughs> and conviction as well as if they're going I tell you what Adam knows his stuff don't he wow he must he must have some qualification no I just steal it from you um so Nikki <laughs> as always you're on hand to answer any questions that listeners of this podcast might have However big or small it might be, no questions daft, no questions silly. If you do want to get in touch, pod at cats.org.uk. Well, we want to hear your funny stories as well and, you know, dilemmas. As I said, anything that's always kind of maybe just been in the back of your mind when it comes to cats, we're going to go through them a little bit later on with this week's very special guest who we're so excited to have on the podcast this week. Let's get her in. So each week on Cats Got Your Tongue, uh, I'm joined by a guest who loves cats probably just as much as me, which let's face it is is quite a lot. A cat ally, if you will. Uh, and our guest today is no stranger to the screen or the stage. You might remember her as DCI Janine Lewis in Blue Murder or more recently as Wes in The Lazarus Project. It's gardening enthusiast and fellow cat lover, Caroline Quentin. How are you? Hello, how lovely to be here. It's lovely to meet you. Yeah, do you know what? We're so excited to uh, to have you on, and I'm guessing you're quite excited about spending a bit of time just talking about cats, which is one of the best things you can do in life, right? You know, it's funny. Some people will talk about cats forever, and then you meet the other people, and you mention cats, and you can just see straight away that they simply don't want to go there. And it's really, it's such a joy when you meet people that love cats because you go, oh, great, we can really indulge ourselves now and just talk about the greatest loves of our lives. That's it. And let me tell you, this is the perfect place to indulge in that, Caroline. So, you know, <laughs> anything you say that you think that you can't say in front of other friends that aren't, you know, cat lovers and they don't get it, this is a, such a safe space for cat lovers. So, you know, we, we'll fully embrace anything you want to talk about in terms of your cats. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, be be careful. What do they say? Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a good place to start, I think, Caroline, is uh, for you to just tell us about your sort of journey with cats you know obviously you've got cats now but have you always been a cat person or has it come to you relatively later on in your life i i think i was sort of around a cat from the day i was born we had a family cat um who was probably a kitten when i was pretty much around the time i was born um so we were kittens together we were <laughs> we were we were little kittens together and he was, I, we were we were little mates and we grew up together and he was a white male cat 
and he was called Sherry. And he, as all cats were in the 1960s, by the way. Uh, and he was adorable. I loved him. And then my second cat was a tortoiseshell cat um, called Shelley, like a little tortoiseshell cat. And Shelley came into my life when I was about 13. They were family cats, but my, my own first cat was called the baby Sybil. And she was a little black and white fluffy cat. And she was not super bright and very, very floppy. One, and I think she might have had some one of those, you know, the rag dolly type thing. But she was very, very fluffy, very fl and you could hang her around your neck. And she would stare into space. So we had a feeling that she wasn't quite in touch with us, but maybe she had voices coming from other planets or, you know, she, she was otherworldly, very, very beautiful. And when you're that good looking, you don't have to be clever. That's what we always thought. <laughs> <laughs> so then tell us about your current kind of situation with cats uh, at the moment i have four cats um only four cats i had five until quite recently bob um dear bob um died um quite recently he was elderly but absolutely in top form right until his last days uh the most delightful gentleman a dear old gentleman um, much loved by um, not just humans, but actually everybody liked him. Dogs loved him. Cats loved him. My cats, by the way, get on really well together. I have two brothers, um, one called Boxy and one called uh, Ruben. Ruben lost his tail. Um, we think he was run over by a tractor. I live in Devon. Um, and he lost his tail. He's massive. They're both massive. The brothers are massive. Um, but he... Um, he came, walked up the garden and his tail was obviously had been damaged and he, it wasn't doing anything. It was just dragging along the ground. It was absolutely horrific. Um, Sam, my husband, saw him coming across and uh, we got him straight to the vet and, um, and they said, look, we think it's going to be okay, but we will have to take his tail off. Um, and and uh, so he didn't, he, was, he didn't die. So that was, you know, we were very, very happy because he's much adored. He's my son's absolute soulmate so um Ruben lost his tail it, it hasn't altered his life very much actually he stays home a little bit more I notice I don't know why that would be he's a bit more around the home he's very um sociable all the cats are very sociable his brother's massively sociable they've always come with us and still do so every night when we even though our two old dogs now we've only got two dogs we all, all four cats walk with us every night up the land so I haven't told you about the other two cats. So Lady Oceline uh, is a little ginger. She's very snobby. She wouldn't talk to any of you, that's for sure. <laughs> Unless any of you have got a title, I don't know. <laughs> no. Uh, she may speak to you if you've got a title, but even then she can be very off. And then, um, uh, then uh, we have Toffee, who's a tiny, scrappy, scraggy little um, farm cat. They're all farm cats, but but Lady Oceline look, looks like something else. I don't know what she looks like. She looks like she's kind of she's champagne coloured and really just just snob. Um, but we love her. And and then Toffee. So I've got four cats, and they're all very very different personalities. All really need attention almost all the time. 
Um, and they are pretty much the centre of the household, actually. Sorry, I've been talking a long time. No, no, it's, I... it's always nice to get an insight into uh, in, in, into like you know kind of the situation that you're with, you're in with cats. Just want to pick up on something you mentioned there, Caroline, and just get Nikki's opinion on it. You know, obviously, one of Caroline's cats has uh, had to have his tail removed. How does that affect cats? Because maybe someone listening now who, you know, that could happen to their cat in the future, or maybe it's something that they're kind of dealing with at the minute. How does it affect the behaviour of the cat? So cats, it's first of all, it's most it's important to know what cats use their tails for. Um, so they do use it a lot in terms of balance, and they'll use it as like, almost like a counterbalance if they're walking along a fence, for example. And they also use it when they're communicating with others, particularly other cats. So there's a classic sort of tail up signal where it's slightly mm. curved at the top, and that's like a classic cat greeting. And interestingly, there's been research um, to show that they'll like cats will actually respond to the silhouette, like a sticker of another cat if it's got the tail up until they get closer and realize that's not a real cat but they do actually initially respond so it's quite interesting so i think it's one of those signals that because you know they need to sort of signal that you know friend not foe from quite a long way away before they don't get into conflict so there will be that period of adjustment naturally after losing their tail but cats are remarkably remarkably adaptive and resilient um they are such fantastic creatures that they do adapt really well um to losing a tail either fully or partially and they will use the best of their, all their other senses um, to to counteract the you know the loss of that tail. So it's amazing. The same with if they lose their sight or if they lose hearing, um, if they're three legged. I think people are always shocked at how well cats do. So um, it's certainly if anyone's listening, they sh- it shouldn't be something to worry about. Will it will it shorten his life? It shouldn't do no. I mean, obviously discuss it with your vet because obviously every cat's an individual. But no, I wouldn't have thought so. I hope not. He's. I mean, what I have noticed is interesting. You saying how they adapt because you know with the loss of a, a quite an important limb in lots of ways. Yeah. By the sounds, I know it's not a limb, by the way. But no, I no, just, but it's that sort of idea of like yeah. this sort of a fifth limb, if you like. You know. Yeah. No, and it was it was a glorious tale. I mean, we oh. all miss it. It was one of the great tales in Catdom. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, he's what I have noticed about him is he he looks at me a lot more. He spends a lot more time doing eye contact with us and I imagine that's because it probably was doing quite a lot of talking his tail yeah it will have done and then like I say they'll learn other ways of talking to us and the other thing that cats are amazing at is they learn to adapt their behavior to humans and how we communicate because they do so much through scent communication for example and the average person has got a pretty useless sense as well I do particularly um and so that's why cats are uh, will talk to people but they don't naturally meow much in the wild or even just to other cats you know around the neighborhood it's very much reserved for people and it's a learnt behavior um so he's probably learning that actually eye contact's getting you know a, a good positive response from you and and it's good because they can use that sort of gaze and where to look to help you understand what you what they want yeah a hundred percent i've really noticed it in him because he's a he's a big cat he's massive he's about the size of most jack russells he's really huge and and he and his brother are are really close but i've noticed now that he goes if he wants my attention he sits like a mountain and just goes absolutely static and <laughs> stares at me until i look and i go i'm sorry ruben did you want something <laughs> but he never used to do that but when he had his tail i think it must be he's learned if i do this she will give me her attention if i move about or anything, she won't but if i sit still and stare at her yeah, it's it's been so fascinating. It's been it's been really fascinating. It's fascinating to hear you talk about that use of the tail because when when we go for walks, when if we walk, and then one they head off, you know, and then they come back. And if you call them, they all run. The cats. If you up a hill, and you go, 
<laughs> they run down and they all do that tail thing where it goes up and then it tips off at the top. I really love that. It's like and when I, we play this game, Sam and I, we play this game where they're coming down and we go, tails up! And, they <laughs> and it looks like we're working them. Actually, now you tell me what it is. It's a greeting. Yeah, yeah it's a greeting behaviour. And like they do it towards other cats, but they also do it to people. So when you, know, you first come home, most cats will do the tail up greeting. And when you say about tails up, that's not silly at all. We actually teach children that in schools to help them learn about body language in cats and teach them tails up and so that they learn that that's a positive thing, you know, how cats act. So, and you can teach that to really young children. They, they do understand and they can, you know, they can copy. <laughs> cool. Isn't it so cool? Cats, I, one thing about cats is, you know, and I've had a lot of dogs I've loved in my life, but cats are so cool, aren't they? The way they do stuff like that. Yeah, it's, they're just every day as well. No matter how long you have a cat, you're always learning new things about them and just getting sort of picking up on new little quirks that they bring each day. It's just incredible. Um, so, Caroline, you're a keen gardener, um, and obviously you've mentioned that your cats do tend to be outside quite a lot. Are they helpful around the garden? Or are they a bit of a hindrance sometimes? Do they want attention? Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, listen, but both of those things are true. They are, they are helpful and they are also a nightmare. <laughs> um, you know, Bob, who I said has gone now, he used to lie in the greenhouse, in the, as, he, particularly as he got older, he liked the warmth on his little old bones, and he would lie in one of the beds in the greenhouse and nothing would move him. So if I wanted to plant something, I had to literally lift up a paw dig a little hole, put a plant in, put the paw down. If I was watering, I think, well, he'll go when the water comes out. You know, when you spray, they don't like water, do they? Bob just lie there blinking at you, accepting <laughs> a little bit of rain and then back to sleep again. So he was kind of good in a way because he didn't go very far. The others, of course, as we know, you know, cat feces is a nightmare. It's not good for us, you know, toxoplasmosis, which perhaps we'll talk about that in a minute. I'd like to talk to you about that, actually. I had toxoplasmosis when I was six. Uh, pregnant so that's something perhaps I don't know if you talk about that on this program but it's quite an interesting subject um, anyway so I'm very careful about because I grow all my own vegetables I'm very careful I screen off I chicken wire anything that's going to be eaten so the cats don't have access obviously when I fell pregnant uh, with my first baby I tested positive and they test you for lots of things for toxoplasmosis but for the antibodies to toxoplasmosis, which means at some time in my life, and because I've always been a gardener, I imagine it was when I was digging the earth. I, and I, actually, I didn't have a cat at the time. I think I got, I picked up toxoplasmosis. It's incredibly rare. I, I, I think we should say that. So it's only people who are expecting babies that have to be careful of it. Um, so, so it's incredibly rare. And, and, uh, all you have to do is whilst you're pregnant, a bit like you don't eat certain sorts of cheeses and certain foodstuffs, you have to be aware if you've got an indoor cat cleaning cat litter uh, or if you're outside in a keen gardener like me. Um, I'm ashamed. Before I felt pregnant, I didn't know I was pregnant. I smoked cigarettes and I think my hand must have been near my mouth. And and it, it's transferred from, from the cat feces to the mouth somehow and then into the system. Did you get infected with toxo during your pregnancy or were you previously exposed prior to your pregnancy? Because there's a massive difference. I had the antibodies, which means at some point in my life before I was pregnant, I had had toxoplasmosis. If which you means have... you're probably then more, you'll be then more protected during your pregnancy compared to somebody who wasn't exposed. 
indeed, because I had antibodies. Yeah. It's a very different story if you get toxoplasmosis while you yes. fetus in you because that blindness and the, I mean there was yeah. very unpleasant thing. So of course when I got the results back from that, it was a bit of a shocker until we discovered it was an antibody and not a, a current um infection. Yeah. And in fact it's almost a good thing. In well indeed, although so, you know, yeah. 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 So in terms of the uh, the gardening, how much time do you yeah. actually spend out there doing it? And are they, are they say, are, do all the cats join you? All the cats like nothing better than to be in the way. So if I'm digging, they like to be in the way of a spade. If I'm planting out, they like to be in the way of uh, whatever I'm I'm bedding in. If I'm pruning, they really, really like to go between my legs. So if I've got really sharp shears in my hand, they think that's great. Um, basically, whatever they could, whatever they can do to help me, and that is in inverted commas, they do, and they all like to be there all the time. Um, it is so lovely on a warm summer's day to look up when you're cutting some dahlias or something and see, you know four little hairy faces gazing back at you um and they love to fall asleep under rose bushes and they they love to be part of the garden they love to be a part of what you're up to and i they are i mean you know they are some of the finest things in my garden actually (laughs) i find that my cat likes to steal my kneeling mat so it's the point now that when i'm doing gardening i have to have two kneeling mats one for the cat and then one for me (laughs) <laughs> and I have to put one down first knowing that he'll steal it and then I'll go put mine <laughs> and I place his nearby because like you say he likes to be nearby when I'm gardening yeah. then <laughs> and I've got all these I've got so many photos as well of like and he stole it the, the mealy mat again but um like you say they are they do look very beautiful in the garden and I have done quite a lot of gardening specifically for his needs and things that he would like so I've obviously planted like a lot of cat mint yeah. and things that he likes like that and also, um, is it Mexican feather grasses or things like that? It's the wavy one, isn't the it? The wavy one. Tenuissima? Tenuissima. Tenuissima. Yeah, they like that one. And they like, actually, they like, and they do like cat uh, cat mint, don't they? And they like all those napitas. They they really do enjoy those. And they, but I find my cats will eat little bits of all sorts of things. And I catch them eating it. I think I always panic and think, oh my God, are you meant to be eating that? But then, of course, I realise that probably, they're not really going to eat stuff that's bad for them, are they? Well, sadly, I mean, don't be me wrong. They are way more sensible than dogs. <laughs> not to give shade to dogs, but, you know, they cats are more sensible. However, you know, we still see loads of cases every year um, in vet practice of where they've um, ingested uh, pollen from lilies. So, and obviously all parts of the lily are poisonous, not just the, the, the pollen. But um, so I'll make sure they don't have anything from the lily family at all in my garden, just because that's the one that I really do worry about. Whereas... Certain other things that are poisonous to them, like say bulbs, my cat's not going to dig up bulbs to and then eat them. So there's some certain things that I think are higher risk than others. That's so interesting. So interesting to hear you about that the 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 the, the lily pollen being poisonous. I it's actually because of course I cut out um, if people buy me lilies at home, I cut out the pollen um, and the stamen. Yeah, the stamen, so the cats don't eat those. But I didn't realise that actually the petals are also. Um, and the, and leaves. the leaves, the leaves as well. Yeah. yeah, literally every single part of the plant. So it's the point now that I will actually give lilies away to people that don't have cats. And if Do I can't find someone, I put them in the bin, sadly. Yeah, no, I, this is really fascinating. I have never, none of my cats have ever shown any interest in lilies. But um, 
I wish actually, damn, I wish I'd spoken to you before I wrote the book because actually that's a really, really important thing to say about gardening and cats. And I, I wish I'd known that. I, I, I didn't know. I kind of knew about the pollen thing, but it hadn't. I hadn't really made that leap into you know growing pots of lilies outside as as I quite often do that actually that's really which I now won't do obviously that I've I've done my last lilies in a in a pot because no because I you know the cats are more important to me than lilies and that's the thing like Adam was saying every day is a school day we're always learning new things about them and to be fair I I knew more about the pollen originally before I learned that it was uh, the whole plant that's you know toxic to them and it's I've seen it myself in vet practice it's horrible it's it's an instant renal failure so it's extremely distressing. Um, the pollen is so common, and that's probably why we know about it more, because if they just brush against it, they tend to ingest it by licking it off their fur. So it's not that they're actively going for it, it's the fact that they're whilst they're keeping themselves clean. So it's, but it's, it's really tough, isn't it? It is, but I'm, I'm so glad we're talking about it. I, it's I'm one of those just... things that Cats Protection has been campaigning for for quite a long time, alongside other charities like International Cat Care as well, to try and raise awareness and also to change the labelling on um commercial flowers like in supermarkets for example to have a notice on saying these are toxic for cats oh, so don't important. don't buy them basically if you've got a cat yeah no i mean that's really really important and i i just feel i've slightly uh, missed an opportunity to tell people about that but we're doing it now but i think it's it's fantastic because because i i really i kind of knew it but didn't know it and maybe that's true of a lot of us you know we sort of it's somewhere in the back of our minds but actually if you are a cat owner in fact i must tell my friend nikki this that if you're a cat owner don't have lilies anywhere near your house i mean that's as simple as that isn't it by the sounds of it yeah it it's, is, it's yeah. interesting then nikki that you're saying that it's not necessarily that the cat will go for it it's during that grooming process of you know cleaning themselves where things can happen you know things that have been picked up on the fur and that kind of thing you don't even think that do you you just think oh if the cat's not going to eat it then What's the problem? But it's obviously other ways that they can kind of ingest it. I'd never yeah. thought of that. I'd yeah. never, because of course the pollen gets stuck on, if you walk past the lily, yeah. you're orange for all days, but it doesn't come out. So of course on their coats, it must it must adhere immediately. It mm. Yeah, it does. And like I say, the, and I think it's one of those things that you say, that awareness of like, oh, and it's bad for them, but people not realising it's actually toxic and, and the it's severity toxic. of it as well. Yeah, well, if you, uh, uh, you know, anything that with your kidneys any sort of renal failure we need to address very seriously definitely and cats have got a very different metabolism with their kidneys compared to other species as well so they're lots more susceptible to toxins compared to dogs for example are they yeah it's so i mean i don't know it's it's embarrassing really because i've owned cats all my life and i i think i now realize i don't probably know enough about them well, I don't think anybody does, though. No. And, you know, you can study cats to, you know, PhD level and study them your whole lives. And there's still always new research coming out and there's always so much to learn. So I nobody think, does. No, that, well, that's good to hear because you, sometimes you think, oh, I'm a pet owner and I'm, I've obviously not really been paying attention. But on the other hand, my, one of my cats is a very private person and she wouldn't tell you anything anyway. <laughs> Ottoline would, frankly. Lady Ottoline would be like, mind your own business. <laughs> oh, where's her name from, by the way? But Lady Ossilin, uh, she was born with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think we found, we actually, Lady Ossilin came uh, with a toffee, who's another one of our cats. They were in a farm litter and um, we, my daughter's cat got run over and um, she, she was desperate for a new cat and has always loved ginger cats. So we went to a farm where they had some kittens and I said, you know, we must get her a new cat straight away. She was mourning her little cat troubles so badly. And um, 
we came home with three cats. <laughs> just, I just, you know, we came, we went for one and we came back with three. I, you know, I, I don't do that, people at home. If you go for one cat, get one cat. Don't come home with three cats. It's just ridiculous. But so at least they're all litter yeah. mates, though. Yeah. They love each other. So, Caroline, do you do, th- do, you do things um, to sort of, you know, spoil your cats? Because me as a cat owner, I do. I can't. I know I probably shouldn't. Do but do? What do you do? Oh, what do you do well, I, th- I think that I probably single-handedly keep pets at home in in business because I buy every toy, everything possible. And it's just ridiculous. You know, birthday cakes, I'll make a birthday cake for her. A cat um, one day. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Suitable yeah. for cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one that's just, you know, suitable for cats. Um, you know, all the favourite treats. Just, just everything that I can possibly do to enhance her life probably a bit too much as well just every day he's like you know oh she deserves another treat it's like what's she done all she's done is sleep and pester me for food but that's great that's her being well behaved um so yeah yeah that, exactly she's doing a job well um and she's the best cat ever so why would not want to treat her um so so i don't know if you do anything like that caroline do you is there any like luxuries or indulgences that your cats have probably as a result of what you've bought them well as they get older and my my all my cats are getting a bit older now. I mean, some of them are very old. I think some of them we were working out the other day. Some of them are like, well, Bob was eighteen when he died a few months ago. We've got a thirteen year old, two thirteen year olds, and a couple of eleven year olds, and and none of them seem their age because they're very out and about, and they you know they're really. But on the other hand, I do find myself cooking little bits of just plain chicken, just a little bit of broiled chicken, just very nothing done to it. And they like it so much. I don't do it all the time. I haven't got time. But just sometimes a little bit of neutral chicken, soft, and that makes them so happy. Is that okay, that Nikki, to do? Because I, I do that quite a bit as well. So I was going to say, it's actually a good thing with our cats when they're getting older, they actually need more protein in their diet compared to oh. when they're younger. So, and, and like you say, boiled chicken when it's plain is perfect. It's also a really highly digestible source of protein. So it's the sort of thing that um, if they were convalescing from the vets, for example, it's one of the diets that we'd recommend. Um, People also need a bit more protein in their diet, which I think a lot of people don't realise as they get older too. Yeah, well, maybe that's why I naturally went to it because I know as I get older, I need a little bit more protein, a little bit more salmon, a little bit more, um, you know, pulses. I don't give cats pulses, obviously, but, um, uh, but, but little bits of chicken. And I also feel... As as we get older, because we aren't we are they tend to spend a little bit more time around the place now they're older. I think particularly Ruben who's lost his tail. I thought it was interesting you saying about his balance being part of that scenario. I think he doesn't go as far from home as he used to. Therefore, I feel he might need a bit of stimulation in other ways. And I think a little bit of a treat's quite a nice thing, isn't it? We all like it, don't we? Is it if we do that every day, Nikki? Is that too much? You know... So it'll depend on the individual cat and the rest of their diet. Um, and so it'd be hard to say, you know, just chatting like this. But if you chat to your own individual vet about your cat's diet, um, say, you know, about they wanted to give them a bit of chicken and then taking into account the rest of the food they're given. The main thing is about uh, the calories um, mm. and making sure that it's, it's suitable for the individual and also that they're having a complete and balanced diet. Yeah, because my cat Ruby, she loves, um, well, on her birthday, I, I made that birthday cake out of... Uh, cod loin <laughs> and I, like, and, oh honestly right so on her birthday her her tea cost more than mine did honestly so i went and got it cooked it up 
made it into the shape of a cake, put a little candle on top of it, and you know, <laughs> brought it in for. Oh, I know, I know. I put it on social. I, I put my, it, oh. If my cats are listening to this, I'm just going to tell them now: this isn't happening. Okay. There is no pod loin coming your way. Well, Step thing... away from the radio, guys. This isn't from the podcast because because none of you are getting any pod. Well, that's the thing. It was like I want to put it on social media. Like it was quite a bit of a split. Like the most of my, my my mates, all the lads were like, "You've got too much time in your hands, mate." And then all the girls <laughs> like, oh, "That's so sweet. Oh my god, that's amazing." I was like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the reaction of my cat when she gets something that's like that more pure sort of meat or fish or something, she's just like possessed. Like she eats it so quick and she's so happy. But that makes me want to give more to her then. Do, do you know what I mean? Because I see she'll eat it so, so quick compared to a normal food, which she'll kind of like it and she'll kind of get through it. But the the passion and his, her eyes change when she sees like cod or salmon or chicken or something. Um, which I'm always, I'm, I'm always like determined to give her a little bit more, but then I suppose you have more of something that's less of a treat, isn't it? I, guess. Yeah, I think I think it's difficult because so many of us are driven of the idea of food as love, um, yeah. myself included. Like we, you know, we're all sort of um, full prey to it. Whereas if we can introduce other things like the sort of interactive play and um, introducing feed enrichment, where you give them bits of food in different ways that stimulate their brains, so they have to use their paws or something. Um, it's just a different mindset. Also, yeah. love is a cardboard box, which I say thousands of times. So, <laughs> like, you can't beat a cardboard box for a cat. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I no, I, yeah, they, they they are still the most interesting thing in their lives, aren't they? Particularly if somebody else wants to give it, get in that cardboard box at my house. If 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 someone's got their eye on a small space, whether it be a basket or an upturned vegetable thing or something, there's always like, you want it, I'm getting it. That goes on all the time. Can I just, Nikki, ask you something about um, just talking about food with them? Um, my cats eat a primarily dry food uh, diet um, and they, they also have lots of water around. Um, but is that is that still, do, do a lot of people do that or do people mix wet and dry food with cats these days? I would say that people are doing both. I think both are absolutely fine to do in terms of diet. The main thing is um, specifically what type of diet you're giving, because there's good quality in both wet and dry and obviously the higher quality stuff. So I think as long as it's a good quality one um, and again, that your vet's happy to recommend it, then that's what matters. Yeah. OK, good. Just wanted to check. You need to want to make sure you're doing the right things, don't you, really? I mean, I always think, you know, with mine, because they're, they're out on farmland quite a lot of the time and they hunt. I mean, they're hunters too. I said this in my book, you know, I said, I swear to God, my cats don't kill birds. I've never seen them kill a bird. I've never seen them kill. A bird. I, I'm a huge bird watcher. I love them. Me too. Um, yeah, I really do love them. And people say, well, you can't have cats. And but honestly, my, they do kill mice and, and, and bigger rodents. You, you know, my cats have killed rats before. Um, but they don't they don't generally kill birds. And and I wonder if that's because when they if they go near a bird, I scream so loudly and in, I make such a kind of horrible, demonic, crazed sound. Am I teaching them don't kill birds? Yeah, it's hard to say because they they are it's hunting's instinctive behavior, and it's one of those things that you can't really train out of them. Um and I think really what it comes down to is that um, ancestrally, like the African wildcat that got shared ancestry with, um, they are actually primarily a rodent hunter. They're not actually bird hunters. Yes, they're adaptive because they have to be because prey is sparse. And so some can hunt birds and reptiles and things like that. 
but generally speaking cats have evolved to hunt small rodents so I think that really is the main thing they go for uh, certainly my cat's very similar he will hunt um, primarily mice rats uh, including adult rats um, and bird wise has only taken a few pigeons so oh that is some cat oh no don't get me wrong like he would he did have a go for a pheasant once that came into our garden but the pheasant thankfully managed to take off which you know if you've seen a pheasant they're not quick to get off the ground and it crash landed in next door's oh, hedge God. looking quite upset but uh which is why like when I next door said they wanted to get chickens I was like oh I wouldn't he'd have, he'd have a go because they wanted to get bantams as well which are quite small and, <laughs> and I was just like oh he'd be he'd, he'd love that he'd be very excited by that but that's not a good oh, idea I really admire that go for a fezzy I love Oh, that must have been the funniest. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we've had a sparrowhawk in the garden. The cat was nowhere to be found. Yeah. And um, and as soon as the sparrowhawk took off, because of course, again, for Keen Birdwatch, we were there get, trying to get photos and everything. And the cat sort of just casually sauntered into the garden like, oh, hey, guys, what's up? And I was like, <laughs> you've clearly been hiding from this sparrowhawk. And don't get me wrong, I get it. And he's not cool yeah. with um, herring gulls either. <laughs> oh, actually, who is, though? I'm terrified of them. I have to say they're really frightening. <laughs> It's, it's, but, well, it's interesting because I think because I live in the country, probably they're getting enough rodents, small rodents, aren't they? So they don't need to kill birds because actually what you're saying about the African wildcat, if they're getting enough of what they are instinctively searching for, they're not good. They don't have to go outside that food group, presumably. Mm. I would have thought so. I mean, like I say, that from an evolutionary perspective. Yeah, that was so it's not, it's not me shouting. It's not me shouting and dancing away <laughs> my arms. I thought it was. Probably not. But it's probably more the case that you're giving the birds the heads up and then they're all sort of sending the alarm out and scattering. So <laughs> you're probably helping in other ways. Yeah, the birds are flying off going, what's that noise? I don't want to be around here anymore. <laughs> Look, there's a mad woman in there, don't go. <laughs> uh, Caroline, a couple more questions before we move on to uh, yeah. our second section of the podcast. Um, yeah. Obviously, you, you know, with your work, you must find yourself working away quite a bit. How do you cope with not seeing your cat? Because when I even have to take, like, you know, if I have to go to a different city for work just for a day or for a night, my mum goes and feeds my cat and I make her FaceTime me with the cat. Well, not my mum, but I want to see the cat, really. So I don't know. Do do, how do you cope with it? Because even a night away from my cat's enough for me to just sort of be completely beside myself with worry. I, um, I hate it. Yeah. I, can't, I can't. I hate it. I hate being away from them. And it's almost like a sort of physical longing for them as well. It's not just an, a mental or an emotional thing. I, I physically, because you get very used to handling them, don't yeah. you? And I and I think that I, when I'm away, so say I'm in, you know, doing a, a shoot and I'm in uh, digs or hotel or something in Wales or whatever for a 10 day stretch. I I find that I I literally feel like I need I need them there, mm. and I do and I miss them. I do miss them and. I have been known to put a little heavily weighted pillow at the end of the bed sometimes because I'm used to having um, Boxy in particular, just the weight of him on the end of the bed. So, you know, I, it's really, I think it's really hard. And I think, but, you know, loving things is really hard, isn't it? And and, and that's that's the deal, isn't it? In, you know, you love them and therefore when you're not with them, you will feel sad, but then you do get the tail up when you get home. Yeah, this, 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 I'm going to say something now that might risk me sounding really, really strange as a cat owner, but I know it's a safe space for, for cat lovers, this, but do you know when you've not seen your cat for a while and you get in and the cat comes to greet you and maybe you'll pick, I, you know, because I can pick my cat up quite a bit. And do you ever just like smell your cat? Oh, yeah. Everyone smells the cat. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I was wanting to bring this up for a while, but I thought people might go, you're well weird, Adam. But no, no, Adam, you no, Adam, you are correct and right-minded. 
Do you know? Do you know what I mean? And anyone who doesn't own a cat is probably thinking you're strange. But you need just—it's just something about the just the scent uh, of the cat, and it's, it's something like quite comforting and reassuring. And again, thank yeah. goodness you've not thought I'm up completely strange, and you've both no, not just disconnected from this podcast. Not, I think I, no, not I, I'm sorry, I put a bastard in there. But I think I think you're right in a way because they are an entire sensory kind of feast, aren't they? Cats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they yeah. give you. They give you all of that, don't yeah. they? They, they? You touch them, you feel them, you see them, you hear them. They, they, they. I mean, you know, they are worth their weight in gold for 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 everything they bring to us. I, I really, I feel so lucky to have a cat or cats in my life, you know, because they are. And you know, talk about a de-stressor. That is a perfect way to describe it: a cat, a sensory feast. That is the best description of a cat. If I was going to try and you know convince someone. That why you need to have a cat in your life because it is like you say, like Caroline, like every single sort of sense you have as a human is kind of satisfied by a cat being around you, I suppose, isn't it? Nikki, is there any scientific reason why I enjoy smelling my cat? It's the weirdest thing I've ever said in my life, potentially. <laughs> but do you know, I think everyone listening to this as cat lovers will know where I'm coming from with this. I'd listen, I just want to clarify this isn't like I'm doing it, you know, hourly. This is like when I've been away from the cat for a while. This is like the equivalent of hugging a human being that you've not seen for a while, I think. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that, that laugh scared me. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm not aware of research on it. That's not to say that it doesn't exist. I'm just not sh aware of it. But what I am aware of is this is why working or volunteering at Cats Protection is so wonderful because all the little things that you're worried about, we just come out and say it. Yep. And then you find out that like not only just you know another person feels the same way, hundreds if not thousands of us all feel the same way and all do the same thing. And so that's the beauty of it. I'm surrounded by cat lovers. I can bring on my like, do you do this? And they say, oh yes. And then there's a whole room full of people saying, oh, we all do this. Yeah. And so yes, I can confirm that lots of people at Cats Protection are all smelling their cats. <laughs> Some, I know one person who like really likes behind the ears on their cat, for example. Yeah. Um, my own cat smells wonderful when he's outside and you can smell people have had like their log fires on and they've got yeah. that smoke kind of in their fur and... Oh, and it's just, yeah. it's just heavenly, so, someone isn't it? Should, someone should make a perfume called The Smell of an Autumn Cat. Oh, yes! That would yeah. be a perfume, wouldn't it? Smoky, that decaying leaf smell when they've been, <laughs> they've fallen asleep under. Bob used to go into the hayrick at the farm next door and he'd come back in the height of summer and he'd have been hot and in the fresh, sweet hay. I, you know, if you could bottle it, that would, you know, never mind Givenchy, that, people would buy that smell. That's the most beautiful smell. Can I ask you, as we are in a safe space, do you do this to your cat? And I know no one can see me now, but like, do you pull their ears back and just make their face be without ears for a minute? Because it's the sweetest look. I go, I pre sometimes, because my cats are very tactile, and sometimes I just hold their little ears back and their little faces are like little fairies. They go, you know, they're so, because they're so ancient looking, aren't they? Sometimes I just, I just hold, press their ears down. Not hard. I'd never hurt my cats, by the way. I just push them back when I'm stroking them. They love it, by the way. Yep. I think they go all babyish. It's like being licked heavily or something. I always think it must feel like, a, a, a mother or something yeah like, I, I do that because so, my my cat she really likes being stroked around the face so she yeah. she loves that so you know she's all the you know the head bops and all that kind of stuff and she really really likes that kind of fuss uh there but i know what you mean there's, there's something very majestic about that look isn't there it just looks so deep into your eyes when you're doing stuff. <laughs> so you really do love me, don't you? Yeah. Maybe it is linked to something when the kitten's there, Nikki. What do you reckon? It could be something like because I know some cats do particularly like having that, you know, 
that connection sort of around the face, don't they? Yeah, so I think stroking in general is probably some sort of like hangover between uh, being stroked, not stroked, <laughs> groomed by their mother. Um, and cats certainly find it really pleasurable. Um, obviously, all cats are slightly different in where they like to be stroked, but very commonly, most cats like to be stroked around the face. That's mm. where most cats feel comfortable. And particularly when we're getting to know a new cat, for example, a new cat coming to Cats Protections Care, we will tend to focus more on the head and face area compared to just stroking them all over the place. So um, the other thing is they've got their scent glands either side of their mouths, and they've also got them on the uh, temples, on the foreheads, just below where the ears are. You know, like there's like a bit of the forehead where there's a bit less fur? Yeah. yeah. That's where their scent glands are. So when they're doing the sort of head bunting, which is the proper name for it, or head bops, as other people say, um, they're transferring scent onto us. And we're, we're forming this kind of like shared group scent. Like, you know, we're all one family or team or whatever. So... I think it's it's a really lovely behaviour. Um, and the main thing, as you point out, Caroline, as long as your own cat's comfortable with the interaction, that's the main thing. And every cat will be different. Yeah. They are all different, aren't they? Because I can't touch... Rube, no one can touch Ruben below the neck. He just doesn't like it. And, he, and he's a big cat. And, you know, I will say to people, he's absolutely lovely, but, but, but all the others will take any amount of attention in any which way. But don't touch Ruben. You can... You can maybe touch his neck, but don't go anywhere underneath because if you go anywhere near his undercarriage, you know, he will have your arm off. He yeah. just will. And I and I want you know, he hates it. You know, and we respect that in him and 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 we would never do that because he does not like it and he makes it very clear. I had a friend just on the on the subject of cats who can go for you like Ruben, he will suddenly wrap around you if you if you make a mistake. Um my my friend Ernie, I hope my, my friend Nikki's gonna be listening to this, and Ernie. He's, you know, he came into Nikki's life. He was, he sort of came into Nikki's life later in life. He was a bit older. Um, I went round there for tea one day and I'd never met him before. And I said, hello. And I literally just reached my hand down to stroke him on the head and he bit me. <laughs> and it was, it, it, it was really funny. It was like, I did, and I said, oh, is he a biter? And she went, no, he just, he, it didn't hurt me. But I put my hand down and he just bit my knuckle. And I wondered if biting is a thing that a lot of cats do. So cats can bite for loads of different reasons um, and it depends on so many different factors. So first and foremost, it's always worth getting a vet check to rule out any medical reasons because the number one medical reason for a cat to bite is that they're in pain. And just like in people, there's a million different ways to be in pain. Um, and it's not always obvious in cats. For example, it would be very difficult to tell if a cat had a headache, for example, but they do get headaches. Um, okay. So ruling out pain. And then also there's just um, this level of socialisation, their personality, the um, the current circumstances of the environment, you know, the type of interaction that they're used to. So it could have been anything from like redirected aggression, for example, where say he'd been wound up by another cat in the garden and he was still thinking about that. And then you reach your hand down and then he might have bitten that respect because he's thinking about the other cat. Uh, it could be because he's not you know, used to that type of interaction or it seemed a bit sudden from his perspective. It could have been a strange scent on you that you're completely unaware of, but he can smell, but he's like, oh, what's, you know, unusual, particularly smelled of your own cats, for example, and he saw that as a threat. So there's about a million reasons and it's quite difficult to uncover unless you systematically go through it all. But, I'm quite um, glad. No, it's good. It's really good to hear it because it, re I, it I mean, actually, I get on really well with him, Ernie. I, I respect him fully. I, I don't, I never take any risks with Ernie. Um, but actually, now that you mention it, I do remember shortly after, in fact, they, he had a, um, an ulcer on his oh, mouth. Well, and exactly, then, yeah. 
dental pain so painful yeah and it's really and cats hide signs of pain really really well also signs of stress so it's really hard to pick up on these things and yet it can be yeah super painful for them and if you think about if like you know you have a headache or any form of pain it really does reduce our tolerance and how we deal with stuff um even if we just have a bad day then yeah. like if someone was sort of like oh hey how's and you're just like no not now mm. can't deal with this now <laughs> and you know so there's like there's so many different reasons the main thing I think for people is to never take it personally even though I know everyone takes it personally um and um and realize that cats are doing it for a reason we might not yeah. know what that reason is but there will be a sensible cat-based reason yeah um caroline you've worked with cats protection a couple of years ago uh you voiced um something for us called uh, the great kitten con a uh, documentary just briefly why was that so important to you to be involved with that well i suppose because i think sometimes i take for granted the cats in my life because you know i've always had cats in my life and I'm, I, like most people, find it really hard to resist cats. You know, I find them almost irresistible. So uh, for me, it was important to talk about, because kittens are, if, if a cat's irresistible, what's a kitten? You know, I mean, we were talking about this, actually, my, my son and my husband and I the other day. Um, we were talking about how kittens are probably the most desirable thing you can be shown. Do you know what I mean? It, you, you have a reaction to them that is not... It's almost, it's like you're not in charge of your own feelings when someone shows you a kitten. It's really weird. I mean, my friend has kittens at the moment down at the farm below me. I don't need any more cats. I don't want any more cats. I saw these kittens and it it was, it was so powerful, this feeling, that I was like, I just said to Sam, well, you know, one more kitten, one more cat like that. And he was like, no, we have four cats. We're getting old. We don't need any more animals. We might like to go on holiday one day. Who knows? You know, and I, but it was almost unbearable. So I think for me, dealing with that film about where kittens come from, why to get kittens, how important it is to look at cats and kittens and, and how we live in that world, you know, how we live in the cat world and how we treat it. That's why I did it, because I understand the urge to have kittens I not me have kittens that sounds wrong <laughs> to, uh, to I'm not gonna have kittens but do you know what I mean I understand the drive I do but we have to be responsible and know where our kittens come from and how well they are and how soon they are separated from the parent you know we we have to take that responsibility because no one can do that for us you know and we have to do it for them because we love them you know, because we love them and we want to treat them with respect. So that's quite a long answer to why I did that film. But that is the reason why. Yeah. Um, so one final thing before we uh, move on, Caroline, um, something we do on this podcast quite regularly is uh, just see if people speak to their cats in a particular voice. Do you kind of have different voices for your different cats? Of course. Well, no, do, do you have like one generic one or is it like each cat has a bespoke voice? They have their own voices. Listen, I'm an actor. There's a bit of a waste. What a waste it would be not to have those skills and not use them. Well, I, I thought you thought you might have a couple of yeah. voices. For well, yeah, yeah. I, if if I talk if I don't talk to Ottilie like that, Ottie, Ottie, what do you want, Ottie? You're so posh. What do you want? Who doesn't want that? Oh, oh, is cross the lady. That's what I, that's how I talk to Ottilie. Bob, who's gone now, but Bobbles are come on, Bobbles, come on, Bobs. Bob was like a proper little, proper little, oh, he's so sweet. And Ruben, Ruben has a voice of, 
whooping, whooping like that, whooping because he's got a big face. He's like he's Brian <laughs> Blessed, I suppose. If you if you had if you had a rimming cap. And Boxy, I don't, how do we talk to Boxy? Or oh, Boxy, because Boxy is so adorable. Boxy, you you talk to Boxy like Boxy's like, oh baby, come on baby, come on Boxy, come on boy, come on the box. So they all have their own, you know, very specific greetings. I love that. That's so good. I and mean, also, if you did ever get more cats in the future, you'd have to develop more characters, wouldn't you, then, to, to speak to them as, which is quite interesting as well. So, uh, brilliant. So, what we're going to do is we're going to move on to uh, our cat's tales. Caroline, you're going to stay with us. Uh, we're going to be going through some of the questions, some of the dilemmas, some of the stories that have been sent in uh, by the wonderful listeners of this podcast. So, we're going to be going through your cat's tales next on Cats Got Your Tongue. Welcome back to Cat's Got Your Tongue. It's now time for your cat's tales. This is where we get to hear from you uh, with your feline disasters. Maybe it's a question that you've always wondered about your cat. Is there a story you want to share about your cat? I mean, everyone loves a cat story, don't they? It could be, you know, success stories, things you've been struggling with, pretty much anything from the world of cats. We are here to help. Uh, Caroline, have you, got, have you got anything you've always wondered about cats that maybe, you know, with Nikki on hand here that you can get answered once and for all? Or a little story about one of your cats, maybe? I suppose, I mean, they, there are so many questions about cats because honestly, every single day, one of them will do something that I've never seen them do before. <laughs> and I always think that's absolutely, it, it, they surprise, I've had them a thousand years, these cats. They're all quite old cats. They're not new to me. I've no, I know them really well. But I'll suddenly find they'll do something like Toffee is suddenly taken to sitting very, very high up. For some reason, she's always been perfectly happy to be on the ground with us. And suddenly, in her latter years, because I think she's, what is she now? I think she's about 12, something like that. Anyway, she's uh, she's suddenly taken to sitting where she can actually hit you on the head as you go past. <laughs> so she's got this little thing. She's got a ledge. And, and she's only started doing it. So it's, every single time it makes me jump. And I'm wondering, do cats have a sense of humour? Because I think she's laughing. So there's more research happening at the moment looking into emotions with cats. It's quite, I feel like it's a new area in terms of cat research. Um, and we were sort of lagging behind in terms of um, compared to other species like like the great apes, for example. And so they are starting to think that there's a, a wider repertoire for emotions in cats than than's previously thought. So whilst we're not sure at the present day whether they've got a sense of humour, I know there are definitely people arguing that they do. So, and I know that every cat owner listening is probably going, oh, my cat's got a sense of humour, or they've known a cat that does, so. <laughs> also, just actually, whilst I'm on that, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting, but I I'm just want to ask you this question uh, to follow on. You know, I think a lot of people who don't know and love cats assume they don't have much facial expression, but I think they do. D can, can, I mean, I think some some of my cats more than others, but they can, I, can they raise an eyebrow or open their mouth to express something? This is an excellent question. And I think this is one of the main key things that really divides cat and dog people without them even realizing it. So dogs have got um, way more facial muscles than cats do. And therefore they're able to produce way more um, facial expressions compared to cats. And I feel that, you know, you meet a dog person who's a purist who really doesn't understand or like cats. Often it comes down to not understanding them and usually because they can't read their face. So cats are naturally a lot harder to read. They're not naturally a social species. They don't have to express how they feel on their faces because they do so much in terms of scent communication. 
But as cat owners, we all know, you know, we live with them and we get used to those kind of micro expressions on their faces. And to us, some of the things that others can't see seem obvious to us. So like pupil dilation, the position of the ears, you know, what the tail's doing, even things that even more such like the whiskers, if they come forwards of their normal of their back. Um, so it's it's one of those things that the more we look at them and the more we study them, the more you can get to understand what they're thinking. And you're right, they do have these expressions. You can read them. It just takes, is more effort compared to a social species. Other little things to look out for would be, um, I think a lot of cat owners are about slow blinking, but if they look for fast blinking, it can be a sign of stress. If it's like blink, 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 blink in quick succession. Um, if they're sort of gulping, um, that could be a sign of stress. Um, there's all sorts of different, oh, one of the other ones I, I learned within recent years was um, <laughs> pila erection is the proper name or just tail based fluff, as I call it, which is the base of the tail. And if that base is like suddenly like fluffed out, um, that's a sign of high arousal or like just being a bit overexcited. Um, so some cats, for example, can kind of nip because they get a bit overexcited in that situation. They get it's only like a play mouth bite, you know. Um, but what I would advise people is like, oh, look out for that, you know, tail base fluff. And some cats will do a bottle brush. They start at the base and it's like, Bruit. and when they're in that situation, I'm like, okay, let's just calm it down. Let's like just a bit of head, head stroking. Let's not stroke the whole cat. Let's just have a bit of chill time. And it's those little subtleties that, like I say, you get to notice. And like, and things like, like the Simon's cat cartoons, he's brilliant at picking up on those subtleties. And, um, I think from those cartoons, I learned that cats could sigh. And I'd seen it on the cartoons, I was like, oh, what if my cat does that? And I paid more attention then thought, oh, wow, he does do that. And you know, and he seemed to sigh in a similar situation to the, when people sigh. It's just so it's fascinating. There's so much to learn and I'm learning constantly. <laughs> this, is really, this is really helpful because I people I, I sometimes think I'm mad. But with a couple of my cats in particular, I I I mean, I think you call them micro expressions. And I can see the difference as to how they feel. And particularly if I'm engaging with them, you know, Ottie will, she'll open her mouth a bit more. She'll blink, she'll move her eyes. Her whiskers will definitely cup forwards, like, you know, curve forwards in different, and, and actually, and, the, and I've also seen when Ruben had his magnificent tail before the, the tractor ran over it, he used to get big fluff at the end of his tail because he had a massive tail and it would go, it was huge. It was like a raccoon, <laughs> you know, it would fluff and then it would really fluff, right? You know, like massive, stripy, great big tail. I mean, I would give anything for a tail. <laughs> oh, I know. I'd be, I'd give anything to be a cat because they're just so cool, aren't they? <laughs> Sorry, that was, yeah. Thank you for answering that question. I, I'm glad I had the opportunity to ask it. Thank you. You're welcome. We're going to move on to a question now from uh, one of our listeners, uh, Smita, who says, sometimes our cat, little Sam, slobbers a lot when we're petting him. It's not a problem, but I haven't seen this in any of our other cats. Why does he do this, please? My cat does this sometimes. A little, not, I wouldn't say slobber, little dribble, I'd say. Yeah, I think when we think the slobber, we're thinking more of dogs. Yeah, yeah definitely it, dribbles, yeah. probably more of the cat type um thing we would say so it depends um on the on the cat first things first with all things vet check because for example um you really want to get the mouth checked out and the teeth um one of my cats for example previously um he started dribbling when he hadn't previously been doing it and when we got him checked out he actually had a, a tear in his tongue and that caused him to start dribbling 
Um, but equally, if they had dental disease, that could cause them to dribble. If they were more sort of really drooling, um, sudden onset, particularly if they had dilated pupils and other things, it could be poisoning. So we need to be really mindful of, you know, things that are an emergency situation, have to go straight to the vets. But if it's one of these things where it's a bit of dribble, um, perhaps they have always done it. And it's just, even if it's unique to that individual and the other cats don't do it, but you want to think about the context. If they're sort of like on your lap and they're, they're kneading with their paws um, and they're having a bit of a dribble and a pair, they, they're doing it usually because they're content. So yeah. I think that's the, probably what most people would recognise and identify with when they're thinking about cats and dribbling. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think I, I dribble. <laughs> I, I, I mostly dribble when I'm, when I'm content. So maybe... <laughs> uh, our next question comes from Hannah and she sent us an email to say, Hi, Adam and Nikki. My mum has a big ginger cat called Tiger who is 18 years old. When we go and visit my mum, we sometimes take our cats, Owl and Goose, as they're very good travellers and are generally very chilled. However, Tiger hates Owl and Goose. Tiger will spit and growl and is generally furious if he catches sight of them through a window. So her question is, will 18-year-old Tiger get used to the other cats and stop being so horrible to him? Or will that never happen and should we stop taking them up when we visit my mum? Is the way of introducing them gently what would be our preference, but we don't want to cause any of the cats unnecessary stress? So I kind of get where Hannah's coming from with this, but... It, with cats being so territorial it's kind of a it's a difficult one isn't it really Nikki? definitely and i think she's asked the, the right key question there is we don't want to stress any of the cats out so what's the right thing to do and that's always what we've got to think about is putting cat welfare first however difficult it might seem um so i think with you know 18 year old tiger um we do need to respect the fact that they just really don't like other cats and it is causing them currently a lot of stress um you know he's not appreciating having the other cats around in his territory so i would recommend in that scenario that they get a, a pet sitter in um or a cattery whatever works best for their individual cats rather than transporting them over to you know tiger's house yeah do you know what? i think there's, there's always a temptation there even you know when i've gone to um my parents say at christmas to, for a, you know even on christmas day or whatever and i'll be saying oh well, i've got a, what about ruby my cat and you know I'll, I'll, I'll go and feed her in the morning and stuff and my dad would say, like, I'll just bring her with you. I'm like, uh, no, I don't think so. And it's like, because I know what she'll do. She'll just, if she went to my parents' house, she'd just hide all day. And then it's like, it just causing that undue stress to a cat. And it's it's different, isn't it? I think where people sometimes, the ease of taking a dog somewhere, of a dog's just happy to go anywhere, anywhere with you, I suppose, isn't it? And go, where are we going now? Right, take me to this place. I'm happy. Whereas with a cat, it's a lot more, I don't know, there's a lot more psychology involved with it, really, isn't there? Definitely. And also because the average dog is usually socialised to car travel, whereas the average cat isn't. And I appreciate these two cats are good with car travel. It's just the fact that then the resident cat isn't happy mm. with it at the other end. So it's it's about taking everybody's needs into account. Yeah. It would, I mean, it would. don't get wrong, it'd be great if you could just take your cat everywhere with you, but it just, it just doesn't happen, does it, unfortunately? Um, now, our final cat's tale comes from Deirdre, and she has sent us a voice note. So let's hear what Deirdre has to say. We have two cats. Willow is a beautiful little black short-haired moggy, but she has an obsession with water. I have no idea how it all started, but she will run up or down the stairs when she hears the toilet being flushed, because she knows that we'll be running water to wash our hands. She'll even race up the garden if she hears the tap being turned on, although bizarrely not in the kitchen, only in the upstairs or downstairs loose. It's not just a little water either, it's a cupped handful and she likes to lick it off. Our other cat, Kaylee, acts like a drama queen if the tiniest amount of water touches her. Do you know why Willow might be behaving like this? So with that, Nikki, I've definitely heard about this before. You know, some cats do like running water, which is why you sometimes get the fountains and that sort of thing. But most of the time, 
when it comes to those kind of water fountains, it is just to drink it. But Deirdre's cat seems to like the water actually on her fur, from from what I can gather there. It's, what's going on there? It's a bit, there's quite a lot to take in there, aren't there? Yeah. So as you said, like they do like to um, to drink running water because it's fresh. They've got um, very attuned senses for freshness, um, like on the sense of their tongue. But um, but some cats like to break the mold and the stereotypes. So there will be those cats that like to play with water, usually with their paws. So whether it's like from a, a running fountain um, or or even something you know like a game, um, I even know one cat that likes to put their head under a tap and like fully submerged under a tap running tap, <laughs> and others that will cry to get into the shower. And um, and with that particular cat, that was actually a, a cat's protection um, staff member's cat. And I said, oh, that's really, really interesting that your cat likes the shower. Can you do an experiment and just see if they like this sprinkler? That's not to put it on the cat, but to make it available for the cat to see if they want to go in the sprinkler. Um, but no, so then from there, we'd be able to determine the cat actually prefers warm water, which is, to be fair, is quite sensible. <laughs> <laughs> the sprinkler was not, so, they're not so keen. But the, the, the shower, and it wasn't just licking the shower, because again, we wanted to just differentiate between that. No, the cat wanted to get in the shower and get fully wet. Um, and in certain breeds, like Turkish Van, which is, a, which is a breed of cat, they're famous for loving water. And actually, it's almost a innate need that they need to swim in water. So I know uh, a Turkish Van cat, for example, that had a behavioural problem because they used to swim in next door's pond and their next door's dug their pond in. So that was no longer available. Then they started spraying in the house to say that something's not right in their world. Um, and so they had to get the cat a paddling pool. I kid you not. <laughs> They got the cat a paddling pool and it resolved the behavioural problems because that need was being met again. So they are all fabulously different. The moggies can sometimes like water. Uh, some Bengals like to play with water, not swim in it, but play with it. So what I do recommend for a lot of our Bengal owners, um, and like I say, it's not for everyone, but is get a litter tray, clean one, obviously, half fill it uh, with water and then put some ping pong balls in and they quite like batting them around. Oh, yeah. So... And it's like I say, it's a whole other world when you start talking about cats and water and, and the, the options out there about what you can do to... Yeah, well, I think the, the, the sort of the... Sometimes the, the misconception is that they're absolutely terrified of water. Um, I mean, I and each cat's different, I suppose. We, I got one of those uh, water fountains for my cat to drink from. Spent quite a lot of money on it as well. I was like, right, I'll get the top-end premium one, only the finest for my princess of a cat. So I got it and not interested. Nah, I turned it on. Nah, nothing. Well, obviously, once I turned it on, I couldn't return it either then. So I just got <laughs> had to give it away to a friend who's got a cat. Oh, she's referred just drinking out of a cup. How about, what about your cats, Caroline? Do they, what's their sort of relationship with water? Cause I imagine they're quite hardened if they're outdoor cats and they're used to it. I don't know. I was thinking about this thing about uh, uh, mine. Um, they, they're all slightly different in what you were saying, I think, about them. They are very individual you know, it's, uh, one of them doesn't mind. Will will walk. You know, be out in the rain. Doesn't mind. You know, will walk through puddles. You know, and another one. The minute the rain comes, you know, she's indoors in the dry. I think they're all quite individual. I was just thinking that thing about buying something very expensive and then them simply not being interested. Uh, it's quite annoying. Um, 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 we um, we we're renting at the moment we're not living in our house so all our cats have come with us to this house but when we got there we thought well we don't want them scratching because we're only temporarily in this environment we don't want them scratching other people's furniture so we bought a pole a scratch pole 
well, no one, no, no one has shown any interest in this thing. It's huge. I mean, it's really big, really cumbersome, really it looks expensive, you know, for a bit of string and an old thing. But and they they're not interested. Can you make a cat interested in something that it's not interested in, like that, like a fountain or a or a scratch pole? Well, particularly with scratch posts, yes, this is a super common situation where everyone gets really frustrated that it's not working. And I have to admit, it's because most of the posts on the market are not really suitable for cats. So if cats could design them, or behaviourists like myself on behalf of the cats, um, they need to be tall enough. So the average moggy, it needs a post that's at least 60 centimetres tall. I have a very large moggy and we've got a post that is um, 80 centimetres tall and he gets to the top of it easily because they, they stand on their tiptoes so they really have a long reach but because they stand on their tiptoes they also lean their body weight into it so it needs to be nice and sturdy which most posts wobble and that's the problem because our beds don't wobble you know the sofas don't wobble um the textured wallpaper doesn't wobble so um <laughs> it's about fitting those needs the other thing is like when i say about tall enough there's so many people using kitten posts on adult cats and i say, say like so where are they scratching they sort of say oh up here and then when I, and then I'm like, let's look at your post and it's, it's all the way down here so they need something tall sturdy and then you're saying about the rope it's often wrapped horizontally around a post yeah like to scratch vertically yeah so they need a post which has got vertical thread on which is quite hard to find so they because they like to sort of scratch like this and um if they're doing a kind of plucking motion that's for claw maintenance if they're doing long scratch marks and that's a territorial marker so they they need posts for different functions um and so you can tell what they're doing by what they do and then also their location is really important so sometimes it's a case of persisting with what you've got if it's the right sort of thing and just trying different locations because for scratch marking they want to do that near entry and exit points so that's um cat flaps doors and sometimes windows if people let the cat in and out through a window whereas um the plucking um floor maintenance type thing they tend to do that when they first wake up so you need to put scratch posts near to where they sleep but bear in mind they do rotate their sleeping place so then it's either moving the post or moving or having a few posts to meet their needs so you can tell me like it does get quite complicated or it sounds like that to start with but once you get the cat kind of principles of what they need then it's easier to persuade them what to do my scratch pole is not going to do it. It's not going to do it. I can tell because it's horizontal. It's too short. It, it's not sturdy enough. It's just not right, is it? I need to rethink the whole scratching thing. I didn't know about the plucking for claw maintenance. I need to give that a whole new thought. I don't know. There must be some way of doing that. But yeah. what I mean, for instance, would they do that on a tree normally? The, the yeah, claw normally on a tree or like fences, um, things like that. Um, the other thing to mention is um, not every cat is a vertical type scratcher, like up in the air like this. Some cats are horizontal scratchers. And how can you tell? Because they're scratching your carpets or the stairs, as in the horizontal surface of your stairs. Cats that do that, they you could have all the vertical posts in the world, and I have clients that do that, <laughs> and they're not going to use it. Whereas um, if you have the horizontal things, I recommend for those cats, like a queer front doormat, you know, for them to scratch. Yes. Um, yeah. They're perfect um, for those sorts of cats. Also, you get the cats that used to use vertical posts, but then they got a bit arthritic and sore because they got older. And now they're more horizontal type scratches. They can't quite do this. So they and again, there are a few on the market, but there's a lot in terms. If you look at pictures on Google, there's some beautifully homemade ones out there that, are, that you know, tick all the boxes and are wonderful for the cats. So and when you home make it, you can do it perfectly for your own situation and house and also for the tailored for the individual cat. 
Brilliant. I, this is absolutely incredible. I didn't know any of that, although I think I've got two verticals and two horizontals at home. So I'm going to need to just cover all my bases. Definitely, definitely horizontalers. Yeah. And I think the other ones might be verticalers. <laughs> I, I did see this one photo that was really good that somebody made online. And that was um, it was a homemade scratching surface where it started off on the floor and it sort of curved up and then went against the wall and it literally covered all bases in one scratching area and i was like this is perfect because it meets all the different cats yeah it was yeah. brilliant so that's why... it's like sort of half pipe you know which they use for skateboards but that kind of shape and then you all all cats are happy and i'll do one for the arthritic ones for myself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right caroline we're uh, going to ask you one final question and it's a question we ask to all guests on this podcast what is the best thing about having a cat i've got four cats so for each one there is a best thing about each cat. And I suppose that's the best thing about having a cat is how individual they are. That's the best thing about cats. Yeah, yeah. And and it, every, like you say, every cat is different and it's about adapting to them and also enjoying the differences and their quirks, I suppose, isn't it, as well? Uh, amazing. Th Caroline, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, that is it for this week on Cats Got Your Tongue in association with Cats Protection. Thank you again, Caroline Quentin, for joining us. And allowing us to kind of delve into your wonderful world of cats. Have you enjoyed uh, your time on the show? It's been really enjoyable and fantastically instructive, you know, because I think what I'm going to take away from this is I need to, every day need to learn something new. Every day is a school day when you've got a cat. Yeah. You've got a big to-do list now, aren't you? All things, build my own <laughs> cat scratching post. <laughs> All these different things now that you've got to, you got to take away from this. <laughs> I will be, I'm going home, I'm going to be making choir matting scratch poles and I'm going to be broiling some chicken. Yeah. <laughs> so much for inviting me. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Thanks again, Caroline. Thanks, Nikki, as always, for uh, giving us the insight. And uh, Thanks, remember, Adam. remember to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tell your friends with cats about us, share the podcast, give us a review. And if you are getting in touch with your very own Cats Tales, give us a shout, pod at cats.org.uk. We'll see you next time on Cats Got Your Tongue.